Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to your word this morning. And Lord, we hold your word in the highest reverence. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to take over. Lord, that it not be just me speaking because um, this is your word. And so Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, you will come and you will touch lives, not because of anything that I try to do, but because of your word. Because your word is true. Your word is more powerful than a two-edged sword. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. So we're continuing in John now. Um, We had a couple of weeks off with um, Father's Day and Miracle Offering and and looked at some other things. But we're now continuing in the book of John. So we're up to John chapter 10. So if you want to open in uh, your Bibles, however you do Bible, whether electronically or paper, whatever you do, open to John chapter 10. And we're actually going to follow through and just go through some words of Jesus. Jesus is speaking here. He's speaking to the Pharisees and he's speaking to the crowd. So this morning we're just going to take it bit by bit as we look at what Jesus has to say. Now chapter 10 follows directly from chapter 9. Hopefully you'll hear something more profound than that this morning. But the reason I say it is we are not in a new situation. This this situation is happening because of what happened in chapter 9. So this is one incident happening. It's later on that all the chapter breaks were being put into the Bible. So what happened in chapter 9, if you were with us a few weeks ago when we were um, uh, uh, looking at John chapter 9, what happened there is that Jesus healed a blind man. Jesus healed a blind man, but he healed him on the Sabbath. So the Pharisees said, this man must have been a sinner because he was blind. And they said, Jesus must be a sinner because he did a healing on the Sabbath and you weren't allowed to do anything on the Sabbath. So the Pharisees absolutely refused to accept um, who Jesus is, absolutely refused to accept uh, that Jesus has done this miracle because obviously he's a sinner. But there becomes a bit of argy-bargy and fighting even amongst the Pharisees because some of them say, well, he's clearly a sinner because he healed on the Sabbath, therefore we're just going to ignore him. We're just going to pretend he doesn't even exist. But you have the other Pharisees who go, but who can heal a person? Who can heal a person? And some of the Pharisees actually start to say, how could he be the sinful man you say he is because he healed somebody? So they start fighting amongst themselves. The crowd is getting all agitated because this blind man has been healed. And then the Pharisees eject the blind man from the synagogue, no longer blind, healed. They eject him from the synagogue. Now, As was said a few weeks ago, that's not as simple as like some little club that may say, we don't really want you to be our member anymore. Being part of the synagogue was being part of the community. So when that man was rejected and kicked out of the synagogue, he was kicked out of the life of the community. He became almost like a pariah as far as a lot of those people were concerned. Now what I find interesting in this is he wasn't kicked out before because he was blind. But if he was a sinner because he was blind... Why wasn't he kicked out earlier? He was kicked out when Jesus healed him because they didn't like that Jesus healed him. 
And because he started to say, this guy must be the real deal, he healed me. So that's the situation that we are in right now. And, and really what we're saying now is the words of Jesus into this situation. He's kind of, the Pharisees are fighting, the crowd's in a bit of an uproar. So Jesus begins to speak into the situation in response to what is going on. He begins to tell them a little bit about himself. So we'll read from verse 1. And as we go, we're just going to read some verses as we go and look into them. Jesus speaking, he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over a wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief or a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So he's saying very um, basic and easy stuff they can understand. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, the sheep recognise his voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. So Jesus heals a blind man, a man gets his sight, he gets kicked out of the synagogue, the crowd is agitated, and Jesus starts talking about sheep. Of course he did. So in these first few verses, sort of at the start of what Jesus begins to say into the situation, the first thing he is doing is he lays out who he is. He is saying, I am the legitimate shepherd. I am the legitimate Messiah. He says, there have been others who have come before me. They would have been thieves and robbers because they did not come the way that the Messiah is meant to come. See, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a space of 400 years. For 400 years, God did not speak through the prophets to the nation of Israel. For 400 years, God was silent, as they say, and they call them the silent years. So during that 400 years, the people were waiting for a Messiah. They knew there is a Messiah coming, so they're waiting for their Messiah so because the prophets aren't speaking, during that 400 years, many rose up at different times and different factions and different areas to say, I am the leader. I am going to lead you. I'm going to deal with this Roman problem that we have. We are going to militarily take this. And if you look through Josephus' teachings and you look through stuff in history, during that time there was sometimes tumult because there was people rising up to take leadership. And Jesus says... There are those, if someone jumps in the side gate and doesn't come how they're meant to come, they are a thief and a robber. But the legitimate shepherd comes to the gate, the gate is opened for him, and he can speak to the sheep, and the sheep will know his voice, and they'll respond to that. See, um, he starts to um, speak about his legitimacy, because remember, Jesus was prophesied. Jesus has been prophesied. All through the Old Testament, we see the pointing to the Saviour, the Messiah. Jesus was prophesied. And not only was he prophesied, how he would come was prophesied. So Jesus says, if they didn't come the way they were meant to come, these people you've listened to, these people you've responded to, these people you have become disciples of, these people you have followed, if they didn't come how the prophecy said the Messiah would come, they are not legit. They are a thief. They are a robber. I'm the true shepherd. 
So right at the start of when Jesus begins to address this whole situation, he is declaring his legitimacy. He's telling them who he is. And Galatians 4.4 tells us that in the fullness of time, in other words, at exactly the right moment in time, God sent his son. So God had this plan and it was exactly how everything was going to happen and it happened exactly. And Jesus said, anything that's happening outside of what God has said his plan is, it's not legitimate. They're not people to follow. He calls them thieves and robbers because he's talking about sheep. Now, in those times, they had two types of sheep pens, sheep folds. There was a type you had in town and there was a type you had in the countryside. And generally, the commentators agree that verses 1 to 5 of John 10 talk, are talking about the sheepfold that was in town, which is one type. And verses 7 to 10, which we'll look at as we continue, is speaking about the sheepfold or the enclosure that's out in the countryside. Two different types of sheepfolds and two different things would happen with them. Now, in town, the sheep enclosure was a mixed one for all the shepherds. So what would happen is when the weather was cooler and it was too hot for the sheep or for the shepherds really to stay out in the field when it became dark, they would have enclosures in the village, in the town. And the sheep would be bought, but there would be one enclosure for all the sheep. So you might have five shepherds and they all bring their sheep to that enclosure. So you've got this rabble of sheep all mixed in together but they all have a shepherd that they belong to, but they're all mixed in. Now, there's no identifiers on the sheep. None of them have a tag that says, you know, Alex's sheep and Lena's sheep and Paul's sheep. They're just there. What they do, they would hire a gatekeeper. They would hire someone to watch the sheep. They would go home because the weather's cold. They'd go home and have a comfortable night's sleep at home. And a hired hand would watch over all the sheep. Now, the hired hand knew who the shepherds were, but the hired hand had no clue what sheep belonged to who because they're all here in this mess. But in the morning, the shepherd would come and as, said, as Jesus said there, the shepherd would recognise, the gatekeeper, sorry, would recognise the shepherd. Oh, yeah, that's a legitimate shepherd. That's one of the guys who bought his sheep here last night. Open the gate. The shepherd would call his sheep and his sheep would respond to his voice and they would come out. In all the noise of a town or a village, in all the meh, 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 or whatever sound sheep makes, that was a really bad bark, but anyway, whatever sound sheep make, in all that noise and people doing their thing in town, white noise, just constant noise, in all that rabble, a shepherd would speak and the sheep would hear his voice. And the sheep would respond immediately. And the, the ones that didn't belong to him, they would keep barring and walking around and there'd be ignorance of, of that shepherd. They would completely ignore him. That's what would happen. The sheep would go only to their own shepherd. So verse 4 and 5, let's keep reading. It says, After he has gathered his flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger they will run from him because they don't know his voice. So when the shepherd has called his flock, he's at the gate, the sheep start to come to him, he then begins to lead them. 
and they follow him. So even though they're in a village, even though they're in a town and there's probably alleys and doorways and streets, whatever, they don't go off into all those places. They don't go take all these side tracks. They don't go into a house to which they don't belong. They don't go down an alley and get lost. They, none of that happens. The shepherd uses his voice, the sheep hear his voice, he begins to walk in front of them and they just follow him. So as he's walking wherever he needs to walk to get them out to their pastures, they just follow him the whole time. They don't go into other areas. Now here's what I learned as I was looking into this. Western shepherds drive their sheep. Eastern shepherds lead their sheep. They lead their sheep. The sheep knows the shepherd's voice. There doesn't have to be any forcing. There doesn't have to be any driving. There doesn't have to be any smack on the butt because they're not listening. There doesn't have to be anything. The shepherd speaks and the sheep follow. And he leads them. He doesn't drive them. Jesus leads. He doesn't drive. Jesus says, follow me. He doesn't enforce anything on us. He leads us. Now, verse 6 says this. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. Now, he's talking to the crowd, but he's also talking to the Pharisees, some of whom are still like, is Jesus really okay or is he not okay? We're not sure if we can trust him. He did heal a man on the Sabbath, blah, 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 blah. And it says that none of them can understand what he was saying. I think this verse has a little bit of irony. Because you have this man who was born blind. He's blind. Jesus heals him. And he starts to say to the Pharisees, this guy, he's, he's the real deal because he healed me. He, both physically and spiritually, the blind guy can now see. Those with every opportunity to see. Those who've known everything about the coming of the Messiah those who have been taught everything, those who teach people everything, refuse to see. But Jesus heals the blind man and both physically and spiritually, he can now see. But the people who should see, they refuse to see. I find that quite ironic. What is that saying? There are none so blind as those who will not see. Verse 7, so he explained it to them. I'll tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. So before we had a gatekeeper who opened a gate for the true shepherd. Now Jesus says, I am the gate. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but and the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find abundant pastures. Now we start to look at the second type of sheep enclosure. This is the sheep enclosure that's out in the pastures out in the country. These enclosures didn't have a gate. They had walls and then they had a gap where the sheep would be let in. He would lead the sheep, they would come in, but there was no gate. But what would happen is at the end of the day, after the sheep were led into the enclosure, the shepherd himself would lie across the opening to be the gate. Now, this is in the warmer weather because in the war warmer weather, the shepherds would stay overnight with the sheep. In the colder weather, they'd go into the town so they could be inside four walls and that's when they used that other enclosure. 
So the shepherd himself would lie across the opening and he would effectively be the gate. So Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the gate of this enclosure. I think of it as Jesus saying, if you want to touch one of mine, you better go through me. That's how I sit. That's how I picture this in my mind. Now, there's two things that I see here. Well, three. Firstly, anything, whether animal or human, that wants to get into that enclosure, they have to go through the shepherd. So the shepherd protects his sheep with his life. He's lying there. The sheep can't go out and go astray without disturbing the shepherd. No one can come in to harm the sheep without disturbing the shepherd. Even if he's asleep, he is across the only entrance to the enclosure. Another thing we see is the only way into the fold is through the shepherd. Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is declaring, if you want to be in this fold that belongs to the Father, if you want to be one of the ones that belongs to the Father, you have to come through me. I am the gate. There is an enclosure. There is a safe place. There is a place of protection. There is a place where harm is kept away. There is a place that God has planned and arranged for us. There is a place that is good. And if you want to come in there, you must come through me. I'm the gate to that place. You have to come to me. The other thing we see in this is that the safety of the fold is dependent on having the shepherd at the gate. In verse 9, it says, they will come and they will go freely. I'm the gate, and because I'm the gate, they will come and they will go freely. Now, this is an expression that the Jews used to use, come and go freely, to express that you will have this freedom and this good life. As you go out of the enclosure, you are safe. You are safe. As you come into the enclosure, you are safe. Your life is secure. Your life is good. You can just come and go freely because you have the safety of a shepherd at the gate. Deuteronomy 28 verse 6 talks about obedience to God and it says those who obey God will be blessed as they go out and they will be blessed as they come in. They're using that same expression. They're using the same picture that they have in the Jewish mind. To come in and go out safely speaks of having a good life because you have someone protecting you. You have someone that has secured your life. You have someone that has made you safe and who takes you into good pastures and gives you good things. It's the picture of the abundant life. And the very next verse, verse 10, Jesus continues this thought. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and life in abundance. I have come to give them this good life. I have come to make it so that the people, the sheep that belong in my fold, the people that are in the Father's fold because they've come through me, they will come and they will go freely. They will come and go safely. They will have a good life. They will have an abundant life because I have secured their life. They're no longer in a rabble where there's voices and voices and they don't know which one is the voice. They are now in a secure fold because I have made them safe. I have given them this fold. See, thieves would break in and their intention was always selfish. The thieves' intention was selfish. They came to steal. They came to destroy. They came to harm. They came to take advantage. But the true shepherd 
came to protect, to provide a good and safe place and an abundant pastures. So I want to ask you this morning, how would you describe your life? Is it abundant? Is your life abundant? You may have many, many things. You may have a lot of things that you want to have, but is your life abundant? You may have everything this world has to offer, but is your life abundant? What if those things disappeared tomorrow? Would your life be abundant? What if all the things disappeared tomorrow? Would your life still be abundant? Because Jesus said, I've come to give you an abundant life. I've come to secure you. Your coming and your going is safe. When the day comes that we go from this place, he has secured a safe going to eternal life. Our lives are secured in Jesus. We have the abundant life, the pleasant pastures as the Bible described them. So verse 11. Now there's a number of thoughts that run through this passage as that we're about to read from verse 11 on. But there's one thought in particular is woven right through it all. So Jesus continues, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. Think about just for a moment the intimacy and the connectedness that Jesus is describing there. Just as the father and I know each other, you know, Jesus said, I won't say anything unless the Father says it. I won't do anything unless the Father tells me to do it. And he says, just like that, I know my sheep and they know me. That's the kind of closeness and connection God calls us to. He says, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. That's one. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them in also. They will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life too, so I may take it up again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. Three. For I have the authority to lay it down. Four. If I want to, when I want to, and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. See, the good shepherd will sacrifice his life for the sheep. The hired hand sees a wolf or a bear or whatever they had attacking them in those days. A hired hand sees that and the hired hand runs. And the sheep get attacked and the sheep scatter. And some sheep die. But Jesus says the true shepherd, he'll give his life for the sheep. The true shepherd lies across the opening where an attack may come and first, they have to deal with a shepherd before they can get to the sheep. The shepherd will sacrifice his life for the sheep. See, Jesus here four times says, I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. I'm going to lay down my life. First, he has declared his legitimacy as the Messiah. Then he, has promised, then he promises the abundant life that they have been waiting for the Messiah to bring them. And now he foretells his death. And in these few sentences, he tells it four times. He's really on a mission and he wants to make his mission clear. I am your true Messiah. 
you need to know I am the real deal. I will give you the abundant life you have been waiting for. And you know what? I'm going to lay my life down. And I'll say it four times so you don't miss it. I'm going to lay my life down. That's how you will receive everything that's been promised. So what are some of the things we hear Jesus saying through this passage? Firstly, he lays his life down willingly. Jesus was not a victim in this. The cross was not his victimhood. The cross was his choice to save us. Jesus was not caught up in some weird mess where he ended up crucified because some weird circumstance happened and no one could save him and no one could stop it. None of that is true. Jesus wasn't dragged to the cross. Jesus went to the cross willingly. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. And he says, I lay it down when I want to. I lay down my life for the sheep. He was fulfilling his mission on the cross. Another thing he's telling us is a true shepherd is born for the task. A true shepherd is born for the task. A hireling will run away at danger, but the true shepherd will sacrifice his life to save the sheep. Jesus was born for the task. He came to earth for one mission, one purpose, to die for the sins of mankind and womankind. Jesus had one purpose. You could say Jesus had one job, and he did it. He came and he sacrificed himself for us. He laid down his life. He says here that he has other sheep and they will be brought into the fold. And he says there will be one fold with one shepherd. See, at this point, he's talking to Pharisees and he's talking to a crowd and the crowd of the Jews. And he says, now, I've, I have other sheep and they're going to hear my voice and they're going to come in as well. They can come and be part of my fold. So Jesus starts to speak of the reach of what he's going to do. He's going to sacrifice his life, but he's not just sacrificing his life for one group of people. He's sacrificing his life for all people to be saved. And he says, there's other sheep. I'm going to bring them in. But what does he say? They're going to hear my voice and respond to it. So if we, it's up to us if we want to come into that fold. We're responding to the voice of Jesus. If we don't respond to the voice of Jesus, and we, most of us in this room, are the other sheep, we're the Gentiles, if we don't respond to the voice, we don't come into the fold. But he says, I have these other sheep. I want to bring them into my fold. And there'll be one fold. There'll be one shepherd. So we all belong to Jesus. And he predicts not just his death, but also his resurrection. He is sacrificing his life to take it up again. That's his words. I sacrifice my life to take it up again. Death and the resurrection. Jesus saw his death and resurrection as one picture. He saw them together in one picture. See, resurrection was not the solution for the problem of the cross. The cross was the solution for the problem of sin. But when Jesus lay his life down, he also knew he was taking it up again. The idea was, I lay my life down, because that had to happen. There had to be the sacrifice for sin. That had to happen. So Jesus said, I will go. I will be the sacrifice for that sin. And when he was the sacrifice for the sin, then he takes his life up again, and he's in glory so that he can intercede for all of us, his sheep that are in his fold, those who have responded to his voice. So the cross was the solution for sin, Resurrection was not the solution for the problem of the cross because the cross was never a problem. The cross was a plan. 
The cross is the plan. And then Jesus speaks of who, is, who really has authority as we come to some final thoughts this morning. Jesus makes the most awesome statement about authority in verse 18. He says, I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and to take it up again. Now, that's authority. I have the authority to die when I want to, but then I'm going to have the authority to bring my life back, have my life again. But here's the kicker in what he says. For this is what my Father has commanded. I have all this authority, and guess what? It's because my Father commanded it. I have this authority only because my Father has commanded it. Authority is bestowed. Authority is given. We have authority because Jesus has bestowed authority upon us. It's not our own authority. It's, we don't have authority because we decide we've got authority. We don't need to worry about what authority we have. It's all in one name, Jesus. After, after Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, now go. Why? We're the sheep in his fold, so his authority has become our authority. If you wonder what authority you have as a Christian, it's the name of Jesus. If you don't belong to Jesus, you don't have any authority. The authority is in the name of Jesus. And those who belong to him, those who are part of his fold, we can use that name and we carry that authority. Amen? I don't pray in the name of Pavey. No one in the heavenlies is shaking at that. They don't care. They're like, who's she? When we pray, we pray what? In the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. When the name of Jesus comes out, everyone's listening. In the earth, above the earth, below the earth, wherever in the earth. You use the name of Jesus, everyone's listening. Because all authority is in that name. It's not a ritual when people pray in the, in, in the name of Jesus. It's not a ritual. It's not a way of demonstrating to the people around you that you've finished your turn to pray. Like we're going to have our prayer meetings tonight and when someone says in the name of Jesus, it's not so the next person goes, okay, they finished so I can start now. It's the stamp of authority over the prayer that you have given. So as Randall said this morning, we have not because we ask not. So we come to God and we pray and we ask and then we say in the name of Jesus, we put an authority onto that prayer. Otherwise, it's words. But in the name of Jesus, gives that prayer authority. So Jesus tells them about himself. He declares his legitimacy. He declares the way to salvation and abundant life. He declares his mission. He declares his authority, all while talking about sheep. Jesus has brought all these declarations about himself. Why? Because all the people and the Pharisees are arguing whether he's the real deal. So he's like, right, I'm speaking into this. I was promised, I was prophesied. I am the way to salvation. I am the way to an abundant life. I have a mission and I'm here for one purpose and I am where the authority comes from. So if you join me, I will bestow authority upon you. So we'll just close with these last few verses from verse 19. It says, when he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Aren't they constantly divided in their opinions about him? Some said, he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. 
Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed of a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So there you already have then, as you have now, people with different opinions about Jesus. You have those ones that that said, he's demon-possessed, we don't even need to listen to him, I can ignore him. We have people now in the world who go, Jesus, he's just some historical man. He was a good guy, I'll accept that, but he was just some man in history. Who cares what he has to say? I can ignore him. But then you have other people who go, actually, this is who Jesus is. If they allow their eyes to be opened, like the blind man, they allow Jesus to open their eyes and they actually can begin to see, they go, he is the real deal. He is who he says he is. I will respond to that. I'm going to respond to him because he is who he said that he is. Amen? Would you stand with me and we'll pray as we close this morning. So that's the first part of John 10. Next week, Pastor Pastor Ken is going to continue in John chapter 10 for us. So I'm going to pray, and I just want to ask you a couple of questions, um, and then we'll pray together. Firstly, I have to ask the question, do you have Jesus as your saviour? Is he your shepherd? Are you in his fold? Because he is calling people into his fold. He says, I have all these other people. I have all these other sheep and I want them to come into my fold. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, open my eyes to who you are, and then accept him as your saviour. He died to forgive your sins, so if you ask him, he will forgive your sins, and he will be your saviour, your true shepherd. And then you have that abundant life where your life is secured, you're coming, you're going, it's good. You don't have the same things that you know, you're not worrying about all this stuff because Jesus has secured you. He has secured your life now and he has secured your life eternally. So if that's you and you haven't received him, I'm going to ask you this morning to receive Jesus as your saviour. But I think most of the people in the house here this morning, Jesus is your saviour. You have received him. But I want to say to you, are you listening to his voice? If he speaks, do you know his voice? Do you want to know his voice? Do you want to hear him? Do you want Jesus to speak into your life? Are you doing life like a harried sheep, like all these voices and all the white noise throwing you? Or have you connected yourself enough to the Saviour that when all the voices are going on, you're at peace? Your coming and your going is good because those other voices, they don't mean anything. You know, that's not your shepherd. When someone brings bad reports, someone says negative, that's okay, that's not my shepherd. I'm not listening to that. That's not my shepherd. If, if Jesus speaks, you go, that's my shepherd. I'm okay. That's my shepherd. I just want to ask you, if, if the Lord is speaking to your heart this morning, as I pray, just raise your hand to him. It's not for me. That's to him. Lord, I want you as my shepherd. I want to have that connection that... When you speak, I know you are speaking. And when other voices speak, I can say, that is not my shepherd. That's someone else's shepherd. I don't even have to look up. Talk to the hand. The ears aren't listening. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray now. If that's you, just raise your hand and speak to the Lord your own words. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this day.
And we thank you for sending our true shepherd. We thank you that Jesus came. We thank you that Jesus died. We thank you that he rose again. We thank you, God, that he has all authority. Lord, so when we pray in his name, we know that it will be done because it is all authority. I pray over everyone here today whose hand is raised to you, Lord Jesus, whether they are receiving you for the first time or, Lord, coming to you to hear your voice in a clearer way. Lord, my hand is raised for that as well. Lord, I pray that we will become uh, a group of people or, Lord, a church of people, but also in this community. Lord, that we will come to know the voice of the shepherd and every other voice, we can just cast it aside. Lord, our world is so full of voices. Lord, we can't look in any direction without voices, 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 images. But Lord, I pray that we will be people who will go, no, 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 that's not my shepherd. That's not my shepherd. I'm ignoring that. I won't follow that. I won't go down that alley. That's not my shepherd. I won't even look up. I won't respond to anything. That's not my shepherd. But Lord, when you speak, we will respond immediately. We will obey like the sheep. We will immediately look up and begin to walk towards you. As you lead us, we will follow. I pray this over us as a church here at Riverside, Lord, that we will follow you, Lord, that when you speak, we'll know it's your voice and we'll follow that voice, Lord. And if there's another voice that comes in and makes ideas and suggestions but we it's not you we'll say no 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 that's not our shepherd lord give us that wisdom give us insight and discernment as individuals and as a group as the church lord i pray this over us now over every person with a hand raised to you including mine lord let us know out the voice of our shepherd with more clarity and therefore lord follow you with such obedience in jesus name in jesus name the all authority in Jesus' name. I stamp this prayer with the authority of the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you, everybody. Bless you. Okay, we're going to close the meeting now. I want to say bless you. Have a fantastic week. Please come next week to hear the rest of John chapter 10 with Pastor Ken. If you're joining us, online. I want to say thank you and please join us again next week and get in contact with us uh, for anything at all. Bless you. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.